to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Take your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6 tonight. Father, I thank you for your word on the kingdom again tonight. Continue to open our eyes and our understanding to who we really are, where we're from, what we're doing here. Continue to uh, show us step by step your purpose and your plan for our lives. We thank you that we will fulfill everything that you put us here to do. And we give you the glory and praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 33. You've probably never been there before. 6.33 says, Jesus is speaking, he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, say the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is a command basically that Jesus gave to the body of Christ, that we are to seek the kingdom of God. That means seek the kingdom ways, seek the kingdom lifestyle, uh, seek the kingdom benefits. Basically what he's trying to do here is simplify your life, telling you this is the most important thing in your life while you're down here on earth. Now, we're familiar with different kind of governments, not necessarily the kingdom government, but regular governments. In a democracy, we have a president. He is voted in, voted out. We have a democracy where also a constitution is there that may change sometimes because it's by the people, and it's a government that we are the people. But when you talk about kingdoms, basically, you do not have a president. You have someone called a king, and that king was not voted in. He's there permanently. He's not there for four years, eight years. He is there forever. We have an ever-changing constitution written by the king. Whatever the king has written years ago will stay the same and will never change. The king is the sole ruler and has absolute authority in the kingdom. But both even the natural and the spiritual consist of something called an economy. But both look at the economy from different perspectives. Look at verse 31. Jesus says, Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall you eat, or what shall you drink, or whither all shall you be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. This shows us basically that the main motivation of all of our lives at one time is basically self-preservation. When I was born here on this earth, I was taught basically you've got to make enough money, you've got to stay afloat, you've got to have enough stuff. And basically my life at that time was what I like to call a not a reviving life, but a surviving life. In other words, we're gone to work. We're trying to survive. We're trying to make it go through. People are motivated and controlled by their basic needs in their daily lives. Their entire life on earth consists of pursuing and obtaining the basic needs that they need. The basic needs are basically these. Number one, water. Many countries out there do not even have water. Many have one drinking well in the middle of town and they walk for miles just to get a jug of water. Number two is food. Some places people will eat anything. Roots, bugs, animals, some even hunt people and eat people. The third thing you need is shelter. We all need shelter, a house, a hut, a bridge, a cave, a box. We also need protection. If you have the first three things, then you must protect what you have. You want to protect your house, you want to protect your belongings, you want to protect your food and your water. The next thing everybody needs is something called significance. How important am I? Am I significant? Am I making a difference? Am I being successful? And the last thing is everybody needs a purpose. A purpose is something you're living every single day and growing into a place to where you can fulfill what you were put here to do. I think that's what God desired for us to do was to fulfill our purpose and simply leave the earth, 
Just go. And there's some people out there who have already done that. Smith was Wigglesworth and some of the other ones fulfilled their purpose, went down for breakfast, basically said, I'm out of here today. And basically they went and sat in their rocking chair and they got out of here today. Because what do they do? They fulfilled their purpose. So these basically are the top priorities of mankind, and most mankind on the earth are gone after these things. Now what's the key to all these things? The key here on the earth and the most important is something called the economy. Say economy. economy. The economy produces the things of self-preservation, which is man's motivation for life. Go to work, make the money, get the things. Look at verse 31 again. Wherefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? And what shall we wear? Now notice Jesus is also an economist. He agrees with the needs of man. He says every man does need to eat, they need to drink, and they need clothes to wear. But he disagrees with how to get these needs in people's life. The world tells you to get a good education, get a good job, work 40 to 60 hours a week, get paid, buy yourself some food, some water, some clothes, and have a house. But even if you do all these things and the economy collapses, you will still fail. You could lose your job, therefore you'd lose your check, therefore you'd lose your car, therefore you'd lose your house, therefore you'd lose importance and fulfillment because you're basically broke. So we spend our life taking a chance on an economy that may collapse or may not collapse. And right now we're seeing that, aren't we? We really don't know what's going to happen in the economy at this point. And through our lifetime, at least through mine, there's been times when the economy has been really good and there's times when the economy hasn't been so good goes up and down. But that's what we put our faith in for our lifestyle. That's what we trust in. That's where we put our, put our value is in the natural economy. So if the economy then is not working basically, what do we do? And what causes the economy? Basically elections are ran by the economy. If you have somebody in there who's basically not doing a good job, the economy's not doing very good, how many know the next time you vote he will get out? If the economy is doing good, there's a good chance that he'll get voted back in because be people vote according to the economy. If you remember the end of Bush years, everything fell apart and basically Obama got right in with no problem. Why was that? Because the economy basically took a nosedive and a lot of people vote because of the economy because they're depending on the natural economy in their life. How many know the government will lie about things? They'll lie about the unemployment rate. They'll lie about how many good jobs are out there. They'll lie about how much money you got. They'll lie about basically anything to stay in office because they know the economy is the big thing. So elections even in our country are not really about politics. They are about the economy. They're about money and basically they're about your money. I mean right now nobody really cares that the country's 19 trillion dollars in debt as long as I have food, as long as I have water, as long as I have a car, as long as I have a house, I could care less how the country's really doing as long as I have all these things. This is why politicians offer you free phones, free food, free scholarships, I'm going to get you a better job, I'm going to get you a free discounted home loan. Why? They are appealing to what man wants and that's their self-preservation. In the day we're living in and we never could, you cannot depend on the economy of the natural realm and of your government. If you depend on the world's economy, it will lead you to worrying about what you eat, worrying about what you drink, worrying about what you wear, basically worrying all the time that whether you're going to have enough or not. So Jesus came and he brought a different kind of government, a different kingdom. He said there's a new way to do this. There's a new source for all these things. He says the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God can now be your source. Jesus changed how to get these things and the order in which you get these things. In other words, rather than to work 60 hours a week, toil and fuss and everything else, if you just seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto 
you. Now, the Bible talks about also in a place to where, where there's a narrow way and there's a broad way. What's he talking about? He's talking about either the kingdom way or your way. The narrow way is the kingdom way, and not many people find that, but those that go in have life and life abundantly. Those who follow the broad way, which is everybody in the world, I've got to work, I've got to make money, I've got to do this, that's what I'm all here about, that's what I'm supposed to do, all those people end up in destruction. So the most important things are not food, water, and shelter. He, here Jesus says, don't even think or worry about those things. He says, Gentiles and pagans are like this. How many know most of the church is like Gentiles and pagans? Only those in the world economy, basically, will fret, will worry, will live for these needs. They that trust in the world economy will be pressured. A lot of sickness in the body of Christ and everywhere else is simply for the fact that people are spazzing out about these things that we're talking about tonight. But notice what Jesus did in verse 32. He says, For all these things do the pagans and Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. So notice, he doesn't switch your priorities, he just switches your source to get these priorities. In other words, the source is not your job, it's not how much you work, it's not what you do. Basically, it's the Father knows what you need and He will take care of you. Well, when will He take care of me? When I seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness in that kingdom, He will be able to provide all things that I need. What are all those things? What I eat, what I drink, what I wear, protection, a house, a fulfillment of a purpose, all these things. So He just changes the source, which is now your Heavenly Father. He says, don't even worry about these things. Many people worry because they're afraid they're going to lose their money. They're afraid they're going to lose their job. They're afraid they're not going to have enough. People sleep with the boss. Why? For a better position. People steal and rob. Why? Because they want money. Women on the street sell their bodies. Why? Because they want to provide for these things in their life. The boss is their source. Their body is their source. Stealing is their source. But Jesus changes the kingdom source for us and says, Your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. It's funny because, you know, times I'm watching TV and I watch a show Cops. And everybody gets caught in Cops, especially young ladies, have the same story. Uh, I've got to feed my family. I've got to have enough money. I've got a baby. I've got to do this. So basically I'm selling my body to get it. I mean, it would be a lot easier just to seek the kingdom to get those things. But people don't know that out there, so they're out there selling drugs. They get caught selling drugs. Well, I needed, we needed money. We needed this. So people are looking for things out there. And what's, what's their goal? To get the natural things that they need in the natural realm. And they'll even go to jail trying to do it. So Jesus agrees that the needs that we have, but he changes the source. And we do this even in the natural realm. You know, I watch Talon today, and I watch her sometimes, and I raise my own kids. And you know, my kids, as they were growing up, never one time worried about anything. They never came to me and said, are we going to be able to pay our mortgage this week, Dad? They didn't care. They instead came and said, give me, give me, give me, give me. Come on, is that right? They weren't saying, well, do we have enough money to get this? They said, get it. That's what I need. And Talon, if she wants something, she gets it. You know, she's not worried about it. She's not. And the Bible tells us if we're going to be in the kingdom of God, we have to become like little See, too many of us are grown up. And we got that grown up mentality that we've had all these years. And our parents taught us, you better get a good job. You better make the money. You better do this. And that's the way each of us is trained. Then Jesus comes along and says, don't worry about all that stuff. Just seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So if you go home, you just tell your parents that you're just seeking first the kingdom of God, and your job really doesn't make that much difference because you're going to have everything, and you'll never be allowed back there again for the rest of your life. Because you broke a tradition that was going on forever. All right, look at verse 34. Take there no thought for even tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. How many know that's the truth? 
So he says, don't even worry about the things tomorrow. Stop worrying. Why? Your heavenly father knows what you need and he's trying to get the, all the kingdom of God into your life. In the kingdom of God, your tomorrow is covered. Enjoy today because you've got a good day coming tomorrow. The Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. So our father, and even the prayer we pray, give us our daily, not our monthly, not our weekly, our daily bread. And he does that. So Jesus shifts our focus from an earth source to a heavenly source with is our heavenly father. And what the pagans consider the reason for living is simply a bonus for you seeking the kingdom of God. In other words, successful people from the old days basically made it their whole life and had enough money to eat, drink, and wear clothes. And they were patting themselves on the back at 75 years old because they made it through. Now they're getting a social security check. The kids are gone. They can still live check to check and, and whatever to whatever. But that's not the way it is. The kingdom is different. It says seek first. Say first. first. So notice that's your priority, isn't it? It's not do this. And even it gives you, when I, when I found seek first, what it did for me, it took away my motive for going to work. Before that, I was going for the motive of making money, bringing home, cashing the check. But when I sought the kingdom first and found out that my main preference was the kingdom of God, I was not going to work to extend the kingdom of God and, and help other people and get them into the kingdom of God rather than make the money. So my priority took over. When my priority took over, when my priority took over seeking the kingdom, I never had to worry about things added anymore because somehow they were just added in my life supernaturally by God. And I mean, you get far enough in debt, it's a good time to make a switch. You know, people are in debt doing the same thing. They do the same thing. They do the same thing for 30 years and say, well, we're still in debt. Well, wouldn't you like to try something different after 30 years? Maybe it, maybe it just ain't going to work what you're doing now. So you need to seek first the kingdom of God. So my motive for going to work changed. I was going to work. I had a whole 500, 600 people I was seeing every day on the mail route. I was in an office with 50, 60 people I was seeing every day. What was my there? To make money? My was there to extend the kingdom of God into other people's life who I worked with and everything else. I made that first because we were put here basically to expand the kingdom of God and when we do that first influence others all these things will be added unto us so we're looking to fulfill our purpose what we were created to do all these things added are just basically a bonus for what we do and here's what God does I found out in my life God will give you what you need to fulfill your purpose if you start going after it I mean, if you need $20 million and God's given you a purpose and it's clear, I guarantee you, you'll end up with $20 million. If you only need a million dollars, then you'll end up with a million. So it's not how much money you do or don't have or how much money you've got. Do you have enough to pay for the purpose that he puts you to do and to fulfill your call? So that's why God gives you money, basically, to fulfill your call. What if he gives you money and you go back to the world stuff? You know what happens? You lose it. Anything you misuse, you lose. Anything you mismanagement, you lose. And it's not because God takes it for you. It's because once you get back in that world system, you go back under the curse and you're going to lose what you've got in your life. So basically, we want to follow the kingdom of God. We want to seek first the kingdom. And he will have whatever you need for your ministry. In this ministry, there's times when we've been really in debt. And there's times we've been good. But every time it didn't matter because it was his responsibility. It was his ministry to take sure that everything was paid for and provided for. And he's never failed us one time, thank God. God. Praise God. But I didn't worry either. See, I didn't spend all my time worrying. I didn't try to pry money out of the hands of the people sitting out there. Because they're not my source. Don't make any difference. I was flicking on the internet today and they always send me stuff because I'm a pastor, pastor stuff. There's some pastor out in Kansas City. Did you see that? 
he was sitting there and he was rebuking the congregation because in January he told them he needed a brand new watch. It was like $3,000 and he told them all if they could give a little bit more, he'd have enough money for a $3,000 watch. Well, now last week he still didn't have the money and he just went off on them. You're a bunch of losers. You're a bunch. You can't give up your McDonald's for me. You can't give up your Red Lobster for me to get me a brand new watch. You're a bunch of losers. And I thought, dear God, this guy ain't even got an idea of what the kingdom of God's about or anything else. So what's he doing? Trying to pry it out of someone else's hands. You don't have to pry it out because your heavenly father, from what I heard, is doing pretty good. So my job is basically to fulfill my purpose, extend the kingdom of God, extend kingdom citizenship to other people here, and everything that I need will be provided in order to do that. All right, go to Philippians chapter 2. All right, Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 10. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Say Lord. 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 So we know that Jesus is king, but here it says that Jesus is also what else? He is also Lord. Now, if you ever study Lord, you're going to spend a lot of time doing it because Lord is all over the Bible when you open it up. It's every Old Testament, New Testament, everywhere that you want to go. The word basically does not exist in democracies. It does not exist in, in republics. It does not exist in most governments. There are no lords right now lording over any kind of country whatsoever. So every kingdom must have a king, we found out from previous teaching. It is also true that every king is automatically a lord. This distinguishes a king from a president, from a prime minister, from a mayor, from a government. So what is the difference between a king and a lord? Well, a king relates to dominion. A lord relates to domain. If you're going to be a king, how many know you've got to have territory? We studied that. You've got to have property. So if you're a king, you have dominion, but you're a lord because you have a domain or you have territory in which to lord and king over. The word dominion refers to the king's authority and his power and the word domain refers to territory or the property over which he exerts his authority so and that's where we get the word king dumb king domain king and lord king and territory so without a domain how many know you wouldn't be a king a king is only a king if he has something to rule over it is no good to have authority if you have nowhere to exercise it or don't have a domain so kingship deals with authority Lordship has to do with ownership. A king must have a domain in order to be a king. Now, let's go back. The king of heaven is who? God. The, the kings on earth are who? Us. We are the kings here. But how many of you know we're not the lords here? Because the Lord is the owner. And we don't own things on the earth. We just manage things on the earth. So he's king and lord of heaven, but he's lord down here, and we are kings down here, ruling over our king from our home country. We're ruling over his possessions that are down here. In other words, what I'm trying to say is there is no personal property in the kingdom of God. Everything that you had to have right now doesn't belong to you. It's been given to you to manage. Everything that you have right now, you're not going to have forever, because sooner or later somebody else is going to have it. 
whether it's your house, your car, or anything else, sooner or later you're going to leave this earth, and when you do it's going to be somebody else's. So God gives you all these things basically so that you manage these things and you become a king, and also you're owning his property in a way. You're making sure that it's done right, and that's where management comes in. Say management. management. Now even we get our natural word, what do we get? Landlord. What's a landlord? A landlord is the owner of the land that you're renting, but you're renting it, but he basically owns it. So God owns everything that there is. Go to Psalm 24. This is one of the hardest things I had to get across to my brain, that he owns it all. Okay, Psalm 24, look at verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwelt therein. And he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Now look, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of the world is his and then people that dwell there are also his. So the Father is the King and he owns everything. He owns your house, he owns your car, he owns your money, he owns your clothes. All these things are not yours. They have been given to you to manage correctly. In a true kingdom, there is no such thing as private ownership. Kingdom citizens are stewards, or they are owners of the king's property. You can occupy the land, you can farm the land, you can build a house if you want to, you can have a business by the king's permission, at his good pleasure, but everything belongs to him. If the king father owns everything, then he can give away anything at any time. Why? Because it's his things. So the king gives you property. What is it called? Royal favor. But what if Tamar, he wants you to give that property away? Don't give, I can't give that property away. That's my property. I mean, no, it's not his, your property. It's his property. So he can give it to you. He can also take it and give it to somewhere else because he owns everything that there is. And his whole purpose is to do what? Extend and expand the kingdom of God, basically, to get wealth into people who need wealth. If you're running a ministry, people will come give you money out of the blue. Why would they do that? Because the Father talked them into giving you money that you need for your ministry. And if you're not worrying about having money for your ministry, it will get to you. If you're worrying about it and fearful about it, it will stop the flow of what God wants to do in your life. That's why Jesus said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. And the Bible says, don't think, don't think the thought sane. So you can worry all you want, but as soon as it comes out your mouth, we never have enough. This ministry's gone down. You'll never buy me a $3,000 watch. That guy was cursing and canceling himself, basically, is what he was doing, not understanding where it was coming from. So the king always wants to expand his kingdom. He seeks to increase wealth of all the kingdom citizens. When the church begins to understand and operate in the kingdom rather than in religion, it will start to possess property, buildings, equipment, and wealth. Why? Because God wants the kingdom to have property, buildings, wealth, all these things. And basically what the church is under, I like to call it a spirit of ownership. People deal with the spirit of ownership. Why? It's mine. It belongs to me. It's mine. Some, some people can't even tithe because of a spirit of ownership. I mean, here, it's not your money anyway. If God tells you to tithe, it's his money. Give it. Praise God. If he tells you to give 100% rather than 10, you know what you should do? Give 100%, see? And I'll tell you what, if it's your last money that you got, that's the best time to give because you're actually showing that you trust him. If you've got a million dollars in the bank, he tells you to give you 20 bucks to somebody. <laughs> Big deal. You'll throw it right out there. But if it's your last, you know, got $22 and he wants to give 20, 
How many know you're going to have to trust some things now? You're going to have to put it out there. How, how can we do that? Well, we do that basically for the simple fact that he owns everything and we own simply nothing. So we want to manage his stuff. We want to be obedient to what he tells us to do. That's the way that basically he can bless us more and more. So the kingdom of economy deals with lordship or being a lord. The definition of lord is a owner, a possessor, and a master. A lord is an owner, he's a possessor, and he is a master. The Bible says he is lord of all. Therefore, he is owner and possessor and master of what? All. So... You know, and everybody say, well, Jesus is my Lord. Well, if he's your Lord, then you shouldn't be making excuses for not obeying him. Amen. If he's really your Lord, you're going to have to do what he calls you to do. You cannot claim him as his Lord, then do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. We are not just Sunday citizens. We are citizens 24 hours a day, seven days a week, praise God. So we can only say when the Lord speaks, Lord, yes. You may say, I don't understand it, but Lord, yes. You may say, I don't want to do it, but Lord, yes. Hallelujah. And you'll find out if you start doing it all at once, you'll want to do it. I mean, you know there's a breakthrough that comes in your finances when you actually start to give. You're no longer nervous about giving. At first, you're nervous right off the bat, praise God. If he tells you to give 20 bucks, you just don't want to do it. I remember, you know, the time when I was going to the prison up here and that one guy wanted my Bible. My God, you know, I had a Bible all my life. I had notes in it. I had colors in it. I had everything in it. And we're sitting in there and he said, well, I really need a Bible. Can I have yours? And I was going to say, are you out of your mind? And of course, the Spirit of God said, give it to him. I said, you know I've got all my notes in there. Don't you see the colors? Don't you see those notes that you gave me, those secret things that nobody knows but me that you put in my Bible? I might sell it for a couple thousand dollars, but you've got to be kidding me for God's sake. So what did I do? I gave it to him. I was not a hilarious giver. I just gave it to him, praise God. But I think that was the start. You know, if he'd have told him to give him $1,000, I think I could have gave it to him quicker, you know. I'd rather give him $1,000 than my Bible. So he hit me with something that he knew was going to break off of my life, this ownership stuff, because later on when you start, he starts telling you to buy buildings and do this, you better understand that he's the owner then, or you're going to run into worry every single time you turn the corner. So basically, what is he doing? He's getting us to a position to where we learn how to obey him. A lot of people in the church think they're their Lord. And that completely cuts you off from the kingdom of God. Now, you, you can successfully live a life like that, but you're going to get all your finances and stuff from the world. And how many know he's got a lot more? So you're limiting yourself. You can't limit yourself to your job because nobody can pay you what you're worth. Don't matter what you're getting, it's not enough. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. You're extending the kingdom. I don't care. Gave me a raise. Big deal. That's not what I'm worth. I'm worth a lot more than that, praise God. See, you can't be bought. You're worth a lot more than that, praise God. Hallelujah, because we're kingdom citizens. People cheat on their taxes. Why? People don't tithe. Why? People rip other people off. Why? Because they're after money. They don't understand that he's our source. They don't understand. And they have a love of money, basically. So the source of all mankind's and most of mankind's problems today, if you really study it and think about it, are basically claiming to be a Lord in their own life. You have financial issues because you think you're Lord. You have relationship issues because you think you're Lord. You think you're in control of every area of your life, but the Lord basically is the one who shows you which way to go and what to do. So it's more and more depending on Him. Many are in financial trouble in the church because they choose to be masters and managers of their own money, not understanding that they're managers of His money. A lot of people overspend. Why? Because it's your money. They buy unneeded things. I'm looking down. (laughs) 
Many people are making investments they think God told them to get, then they don't work and they want to blame God. No, if you hear from God, you better hear from God if you're going to put some money in some place, some of His money, and do it. Basically, you get to a place to where you're pursuing things rather than ruling things. And once you start pursuing things, praise God, if you just pursue the kingdom, everything that's in your heart that you ever wanted will come. It'll just come to you and even more because God knows your heart. He knows how to get things to you. He knows what he wants unless you get in the way of it. I mean, we have cupboards full. Should we talk about closets? Should we even mention garages? Yeah, we got stuff sitting there, been sitting there for 10 years that we had to have. Oh, we, if we just get this thing, and you bought the thing, and there it sits, and it's been collecting dust. And every time you clean out your garage, you've got to move that stupid thing out of there, sweep, and move that stupid thing back in. And it's still in the box, and you never used it in your entire life, and there it is. What is that? It's mismanagement. It's mismanagement of things, praise God. It's something that we wanted, and we saw. We didn't consult him whether we needed that or really wanted that or not. So what do we want to do? We want to lose that. We want to get rid of that. We want to relinquish our sense of ownership and acknowledge once and for all that God is the owner and he's given us things as a steward. And that takes all the pressure off your life so that you'll never have to worry again. Because if I'm not responsible to meet my needs and he's responsible, then it seems like the pressure would be on him and not on me anymore. So when you got a problem, you say, God, got a problem. I'm seeking the kingdom. You promise to take care of it. Have fun. Praise God. I don't care. And then, and then tell him how to do it. No. You let him do it however he does it. Most of the time he does it in the way you never think he's going to fulfill the need in your life. So you're just constantly seeking the kingdom. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You've got right standing with him, right alignment with him. How many know if you've got a right alignment through a, a hose that comes from heaven down here and there's no kinks in it, it's going to keep coming in. It's when you kink it that the things don't get to you from God that he wants to get into your life. So basically he is a king and he is a Lord, and the more you understand lordship, the more successful you will be financially. If you're worrying about finances, if you're fretting about what to eat and what to wear, if you're in fear to that, you still have not switched over to lordship. And you're still under a place in your life where you want to be lord of things in your life. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. And when people don't understand this kind of stuff and don't understand it in your life, you've got to be cautious who you share information of your life with. Because people are think you're a nitwit before it's over with. You know, we have a couple, we have a couple rental properties. We rent them out. Right now, how many know rent's sky high? How many know my rent hasn't gone up in five, ten years? It's still probably seven thousand below on, on one unit and probably eight thousand or I mean eight hundred and 700 below on the other one. And people come to me all the time, well, what are you getting for your rent? And I'll say that, man, you are the stupidest yeah. business manager I've ever seen in my life. You've got to be out of your mind. Nobody's getting in rental places for that. You ought to be jacking that stuff up every year. You ought to be doing this. Well, no, God didn't give them to me to fleece people and get as much as I could. He gave them to me to bless people who get in a place and can live and have the money for it. And that's what I said. Well, that's stupid. You're, look, $7,800 a year you're throwing right down the toilet. Well, I'll tell you what, if I stay in line with him, he got more than 84. Yeah, I'm not going to limit myself to this. I'm not going to make sense to the world. I'm going to make sense to the kingdom of God. And when he tells me to raise, it'll raise. If he doesn't tell me to raise, it's staying right there, praise God. And that's the way we do it. You don't have to go with this world's economy. Everything's going up, everything's going up. You've got to go up too. You've got to do that. No, you don't have to do that stuff. And I'll tell you, you can tell that things are ran by the economy because 
right now gas prices are falling. Why would that be? Why all at once would gas prices be falling? Could it possibly be there's election coming up in November? Is that why all at once they're dropping real good? Could, could that possibly be happening? Yeah. What's it all about? The economy. It's all about the economy. But they're, they're trying to give a vision of everything's going back and everything's under control and everything's going good. And it will be for three months. For three months, it'll be wonderful. This is going to be a good three months. I'm telling you right now, everything's going to, inflation's going to go down. Everything's going to go do. But after that three months, depending on what happens, there's going to be a definite change in what's going on. Praise God. All right, Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 16. For by him, talking about God, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and they were created for him. So why is he the Lord? Why is he the owner? Why is he the possessor? Because God didn't steal what he got. He didn't earn it. He didn't buy it. He basically created all things. That makes him Lord. That makes him owner. That makes him possessor. And God will give you, you know, some place in Proverbs it talks about give you imaginations and give you inventions. I mean, when God created a tree, there were no chairs. But somebody thought of getting a chair out of that tree. So we had a chair, and that chair, everybody wanted a chair then. Where did he get it? From an idea from God, and he got it out of the tree. It was always in the tree, but how many know that chair could still be in the tree? So he gives you inventions. He shows you how to do things. He shows you how to further the economy and further everything else of the kingdom of heaven. So you've just got to stay in touch with him. And when you seek first the kingdom of God, you'll hear his voice more and more each and every day. So why should we be thankful for all that we have? Because it was all created and given to us. He owns the tires on your car you came here with tonight. He owns the trees. He owns the Bible. Even if it's marked up. He owns the chicken you have for lunch. He is truly the Lord, the owner, and the possessor of everything here on the earth. All right, go to Matthew 21. All right, Matthew 21, look at verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. He said unto them, Go into the village over against you, and you straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man says aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send it this way. Now here's Jesus, he's saying, bring the colt. Now, you've got to remember, well, let's go back in those days, a colt was something very valuable back then. It was like a car today. They used it for transportation. We think, well, if you want my donkey, you can have it. But to these people, it meant something. A colt or a donkey in old times was a valuable commodity. If you have a car today, basically, and it's a Mercedes, that would be their Mercedes, that donkey, of where they went from one place to another. So this was a big request. He says, if there's a problem, just simply tell them that the Lord needs it. Tell them the Lord, tell them the owner, tell them the master needs it. And that's all it took for the people. When they did ask, they said, it's the Lord's, and he gave them the donkey. Why? They understood lordship, and they understood kingdom. Lordship in a kingdom protects the citizens from competition because all have the same access to the same things. 
There's no competition in the kingdom of God. You can get as much and whatever you want simply by seeking first the kingdom of God and finding out the keys to the kingdom in order to connect with the kingdom of God. You have the same access. Our source is in heaven. Every one of our, our source is the Father. That's it. So Father has everything. So it's up to each and every person how much they get or what they need and how to get it. So the Lordship basically protects against jealousy. I can't be jealous because you have and I don't. I need to find out how you received and find out how to receive it. See, this eliminates a lot of the things we battle in our lives for years and years and years. It eliminates fear. Eliminates deceit. Eliminates hoarding. The Lord owns all the resources and distributes them as He determines and as He wants to do. The world's economy deals in getting, keeping something, taking something, stealing, storing. The kingdom economy is a distribution economy. It distributes things. God gives you more than you... He gives you pressed down, shaken together, running over. Why? So you take some of your running over and give it to somebody else. He takes the windows of heaven and pours a lot of blessing upon you that you cannot contain. He takes what you can't contain so that you can give it to somebody else. There's also a parable in the Bible about a king who had too much. Remember that? And what did he do? He basically built a couple other buildings and just kept storing more and more and more and he ended up dying that right on the... What did he do? He, he was the spirit of ownership. Instead of dispersing, he was just storing up more and more and more. I mean, there's people on the earth like that. I mean, you know, there's Christians on the earth like that. And that's not what we're here for. We are here to spread. We are here to disperse as the Lord tells you to do so. So whenever we get resources as a citizens, it is never for ownership, but it's always for stewardship. Submission to a king and lord positions the citizens to receive from the kingdom of God. How do we receive then? Pressed down, shaken together, running over. All right, go to Matthew chapter 20. All right, Matthew chapter 20, look at verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is in a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. He said unto them, Go ye also in the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand you all here all day idle? They said unto him, Because no man has hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also unto the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive. So when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his stewards, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired, about the eleventh hour they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Did thou not agree with me for a penny? Take what is thine, and go thy way, and I will give unto the last, even as unto thee. It is not lawful for me to do what I will with my own. Is thine nigh evil, because I am good. So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now this is interesting, ain't it? It shows you the world's view, isn't it? 
Well, you hired me at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I worked eight hours today, and therefore you owe me more money from a regular boss. How many know that would be true? But from the kingdom boss, if you come to work for him under the kingdom, as soon as you enter the kingdom of God, you immediately have access to everything in the kingdom. You don't have to go to church for 10 years. You don't have to go to church for 5 years. You don't have to go to church for 20 years. As soon as you enter the kingdom of God, your source becomes your father, and you can get the same thing as someone who's been in the body of Christ for 10 years. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people who get in and run with the Lord that end up getting more things from heaven because one for 10 years has been in religion the whole time. What have they been trying to do? Earn it like these guys were. You don't understand. I've been a deacon in this church for a long time now. I, I do communion. I do take up the offering. And you should be giving me money. I should be getting some money. You do not earn anything from the kingdom of God. You receive from the kingdom of God by being in right alignment with the kingdom of God. And you become in right alignment by understanding that he is your source, not your work or not what you do. So these people here, basically, they got upset about it, didn't they? I mean, no, most worldly people would get upset. I mean, no Christians get upset when a new Christian comes in and starts getting blessings from God that they haven't got yet. I've been in the church for 15 years trying to get my healing. And that person comes in off the street and gets healed. That's a bunch of bunk. No, that's the kingdom of God. See, it's not earned. Anything you get is earned. So what was he talking about here? Look at the first line. For the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what it's like. This is the different thinking. He gave you one way of thinking, then he gave you another way of thinking. So the first is the same as the last in the kingdom of God, and the last is the same as the first in the kingdom of God. It don't matter when you came in, when you did, you got access to everything that the Father does. It doesn't matter what day, doesn't matter how long you've been in. Your inheritance comes immediately when you get born into the kingdom of God. Anyone who enters the kingdom of God receives freely from the king. You don't have to go to church 20 years. You don't have to go to church 40 years. Basically, you're immediately entered into kingdom finances and the kingdom economy. Hallelujah. Go to Exodus chapter 6. I'll tell you, when it comes to finances and kingdom thinking and finances, the body of Christ is stupid. And they just don't seem to understand why. And, of course, they want to blame God. And once again, if you try something a long time and it doesn't work, sooner or later you just give up. You just quit doing it. You know, I tithe for three years and I didn't get anything. Well, are, are you sleeping with somebody? Are you out there in the bars every night and you're tithing and you're still stopping the kingdom from getting to you? I mean, find out where you're missing it. And make the adjustment. Don't get mad at anybody else that's getting it. Don't get mad at the preacher. Don't get mad at God. Don't get mad at anybody. Find out why you're not receiving what God promised you to receive. And the Holy Ghost will show you areas of your life that you just need to align so that everything gets to you that's supposed to. All right, Exodus chapter 6. Look at verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the... Where did I tell you to go? That was Genesis, if anybody wants to check that later. <laughs> All right, now we're here. Well, at least I'm here. Verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spoke unto Moses and said, I unto here, I am the Lord, and I appeared unto Abraham, and unto Isaac, and unto Jehovah by the, or Jacob by the name of God Almighty, by the name of Jehovah, was I not, not known to them. So here we see he comes, he comes to Moses, and he introduces himself, and he introduces himself as who? I am Lord, I am the owner, I am the possessor, I am the master of everything. So not only can you use the power, I'm almighty, 
Now notice, when he appeared to Abraham and them, he just said, I'm Almighty God. But now he was showing Moses something different, wasn't he? He said, not only am I Almighty God, but I'm Lord also. In other words, not only do I have power and have might, but I own everything that's here. So he gave Moses a little more wisdom, if you would, than the other people. He says, I am the Lord, I am the owner. And that means if he has the owner, he has the power to deal with all the stuff that he owns. What do I mean by that? Well, he had the power not only to make Sarah's womb alive again, he's the one who also made Sarah's womb to begin with. Not only did he give power to Abraham to be fertile again, but he also owned the sperm that Abraham had at the age of 100 in order to have a baby. See, God owns everything that there is. He is the Lord. All right, look at verse 6. Wherefore, say unto them, the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which brings you out of Egypt under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for inheritance. Why? Because I am what? The Lord. So he says, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to give you an inheritance. How can he give you an inheritance? He's the Lord. He can do whatever he wants to do. I am the Lord. I own it. Notice, he never negotiated with the Jebusites. He never negotiated with the Hebesites. He never negotiated with the giants. He owned all these things, basically. And they were squatting on his property and his money. And he promised his people to go in and they would get everything that belonged to them. And he made the promise to them. How could he do that? Because he is the Lord. So the prop is their property being occupied by wrong people today? There is, isn't there? I mean, you know, if the kingdom of God buys every single business building, every business in there will be a kingdom business. We won't have any more of this uh, other stuff. I'm not even going to mention what, praise God. Hallelujah. No, because money in the wrong hands, so it can all change, praise God. All right, go to Exodus chapter 8. All right, look at verse 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he comes forth to the water and say unto him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon thy servants and upon thy people and into thy houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground that they're upon. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put division between my people and thy people. So here comes the Lord. He comes to Pharaoh and says, you've got a problem, buddy. If you don't shape up, you're going to have so many flies all over the place. They're going to be all over your house, all over your bathroom, all over every place that you go. But he said, just to prove to you that I'm the Lord and I'm the owner of the flies, the people over here in Goshen who are my people, not going to be one fly over there, but they're going to be all swarms of fly over here. And they say, why can you do that? Because I'm the Lord. Because I'm the owner. I even own the flies, praise God. Now, this is comforting to me because if another pandemic comes around, he knows where I live. 
Come on, he knows where I live if I'm going to live by faith. If I'm going to get all fearful again and start shouting and screaming and I'm dying and everything else, then you might as well forget it because you've got to deal with the natural realm here. You don't have to do that, praise God. God's got you covered. He's not going to let, a, if you don't let flies on people, he's certainly going to keep disease out of your life as you walk with him in faith. But he is the Lord. Say, he is the Lord. And how many know that had to be frustrating? Wouldn't that be frustrating? You're over here and you've got flies everywhere. You can't even eat. And you're looking over there and they're out having a barbecue. Not a fly around, praise God, flipping their burgers up in the air and catching them, doing everything, and not even nervous, not even one. And if that didn't convince these people that he was Lord, I mean, how much can, could it probably take? He says, look, I'm going to put a division between my people and the other people. I'm glad he does that, praise God. So even in the midst of trouble, you could be getting blessed. Even when the economy falls apart, you could be buying properties. Even when everybody's gone broke, you could be getting richer. Why? Because there's a division between one or the other, praise God, and He is the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 91 that a thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. So the flu shouldn't come nigh my house. Sickness shouldn't come nigh my house. None of this stuff needs to come by my house. Why? Because I live over here on this side in Goshen. I'm not over here on this side. Praise God. All right, go to Exodus chapter 9. All right, Exodus chapter 9, look at verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go into unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if thou refuse to let them go, and will hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon your cattle, which is in the field. Now who owns the cattle of the field? And upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep, there shall be a very grievous moraine. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. Now this had to be exciting again, didn't it? All at once you've got a big pasture out there of cows, and all at once every cow is starting to fall down and die, and you look at the fence over there, and all their cows are just eating grass, having a good old time. First thing I did is broke that fence down, got my cows over there, praise God. What was he proving again? He was showing that he is the Lord. He is the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. So the economy falls apart, flu season comes, everything comes, everybody afraid to get the flu, everybody afraid to get something. You have got to be in a kingdom position where you understand that He is the Lord, and as long as you stay out of worry, stay out of fear, agree with the Lord and His Word and His covenant, and walk in it, all these blessings will then come upon you. All right, go to First Timothy chapter 6. I mean, I mow yards sometimes, and when you do that, you get sweaty and wet, and since it's so dry, there's flies everywhere. So by the time I get in the garage and I'm taking my shoes off, there's two or three flies in the garage, you know, and I come inside and shower and everything, and Becky goes out to do the laundry and says, oh, my God! I mean, there's like two flies in there. My God, there's flies everywhere! <laughs> so imagine what these guys were like. I mean, they didn't have two flies. They have flies everywhere, man. They couldn't even eat food. There was so many flies all over the place. All right, First Timothy chapter 6. Look at verse 17 first. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in their certain riches. Now, he don't care if you've got riches. He just cares if you start putting your trust in the riches rather than in him. But notice, put them in the living God who gives us richly all things to what? Now, this scripture hit me hard. He gives us all things to enjoy. When I was raising kids, I thought, he gave me this kid, 
to enjoy? He gave me this kid to enjoy. Sometimes you think, did he give me this spouse to enjoy? But notice, everything that you got, a key to entering into kingdom activity is being happy and joyful about everything that he's given you because it's come from him. You know, when you're mowing the lawn, I found out I got to be glad I got a lawn. Amen. No sense mowing a lawn you ain't got. So when I'm mowing lawn, I'm happier than most people because I'm mowing lawn. Guy always comes along and says, yo, he looks so happy mowing lawn. I said, I'm glad I got one. And I'm glad I got a lawnmower. I don't want any cows to eat it up, and I don't want to have to clip it, praise God. So, see, everything you got, he's given you to be joyful. And if you joy for it, and you're happy with it, and you enjoy it, he ends up giving you more, because it deals in joy. All right, back to verse 7 now. Chapter 6, verse 7. This is the true statement. We brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we're going to carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therefore be content. 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 My garage says I'm not content. My closets say I'm definitely not content. My cupboards, my God, we got food up there that's probably been expired for 10 years. Praise God, it's still up there. But you never know. Here it is. You never know when you're going to use it. Women, I never know when I'm going to fit in that dress again. I wore it when I was 18, and if I lose 350 pounds, I'll be right back in that dress. And you never know. You never know. Ain't that the way we think? I mean, we get stuff in the garage. We use it long ago. You never know when I'm going to need that screw again. So I'm going to keep that thing right up there. And then when you want it, you can't find it anyway because you put it in with all the other screws you got. And you're digging through and can't find anything anyway. And the more stuff you got, it's harder to find something. Did you ever put something away so that you could find it? How does that work? Yeah, then you can't find it anyway when the time comes. You know you saw it someplace. So all this is basically a change of mindset. Father, God is our source. He's our one. We seek first the kingdom of God. Everything will be added unto us. No worries, no cares, no fears. Don't worry about these things because worry basically is anti-kingdom in your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I give you praise for it. I thank you for continually changing my mindset, their mindset, to line up with the kingdom of God. Father, we want to be more and more righteous, living in righteousness every day. Continue to right align our thinking up with the kingdom of God. And we thank you that we are worry and carefree people. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added on